How are we all doing this morning? How rad was that right there? Oh, so good. I'm excited about it. Theo, dude, um, we're actually going to talk about Buddy the Bath Washer here in a second. Uh, How did everybody sleep last night? Terrible. Uh, Raise your hand if you have a snorer in your cabin. Raise your hand if it's your counselor. Raise your hand if it's your parent that's with you right now. Oh, man. You can, like, talk to your your mom or your dad and sympathize with them. Oh, hey, let me tell you this quick story then. Uh, So, uh, a long time ago. In fact, I think I was in fifth grade when this happened. I was at a camp uh, down the road called Sugar Pine, and I was was sleeping there, and and back in the old days, now you all, you sleep in bunks that have like railings, right? No. When I was a, no? Oh, okay. Well, then you can sympathize with me, okay? So we're sleeping in this bunk bed, and there's no railings on the bunk bed, and I'm in the bottom bunk over here, and this other dude is on the top bunk over here, okay? Now, in the middle of the night, this kid starts snoring like crazy, sawing logs, like, I mean, super loud, right? And I can't sleep. Little 11, 10, you know, 11-year-old Chip can't sleep because this dude's so stinking loud. All night, like, oh, he's sawing logs. I finally fall asleep, and all of a sudden, I kid you not, boom, boom, the kid rolls out of his bed. <laughs> Funniest thing ever. I mean, sorry, that's not. Okay, he falls out of his bed, and the glorious thing was the moment that he hit the ground, he stopped snoring. The bummer was he fell right next to me, and it wasn't but like two minutes later, on the ground next to me, he starts snoring again. So if you have a snorer in your bunk, I sympathize with you. I've been there before. Hey, let me recap just real fast what we talked about last night. We started on our journey talking about absolute truths, okay? And the three absolute truths that we talked about was that God... Uh, always existed. God is the creator and the source of all truth, and that Jesus existed at the beginning with God in full equality with him. Turn in your Bibles back to John chapter 1. We're going to continue to flow through this. Um, by the way, as you have your Bibles, if you've got a little bookmarky thingy, like I don't know what this is called, bookmarky thingy. Uh, what? Yeah, I don't know. Tassel? I don't know. Okay, put it in John, because we're going to be in John all week long, so you can keep it there. Okay, John chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 19 uh, to go to 23, all right? So here we go. John 1, starting in 19. Here we go. And this is the testimony of John. Now, we saw this in the skit, the difference between Buddy, who's telling the story, and Buddy the bath washer, okay? Uh, We're not talking about John who wrote the book of John here. This is a different John. You probably have heard him as John the what? The Baptist, right? So John the Baptist. And John the Baptist was sent to come before Jesus, who by the way was his cousin. Did you know that? John the Baptist, Jesus' cousins, okay? And so he was sent, as you saw, Buddy exclaimed that he was sent to prepare the way for the coming of Jesus. That's John's job, okay? And so and uh, back in verse 19, and this is the testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? 
And he confessed. He did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. So they said to him, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. Listen to this. As the prophet Isaiah said. All right. So did you notice here the Levites uh, and the priests, they came to John and they seem to have a lot of knowledge about things that were to come. Raise your hand and give me an answer if you think uh, you know maybe where did they gain that knowledge of what they were saying. Yeah, where'd they gain that knowledge? Go. Yeah. From a vision? Okay, that's a good guess. I like that. Not quite, but that's a good guess. Yeah, you, Go. From the Old Testament, right? So from the law, from the scriptures that they had at the time, that's where they understood that, right? Because it said, as the prophet Isaiah said. So if you've ever read the book of Isaiah, they had that at the time that they could read and understand that, okay? Then John the Baptist answers them by also by quoting the prophet Isaiah. And where did he learn that? Same place, right? Same place. You guys are smart. Good, okay. So Now we have this situation where people are quoting the laws and the rules of the time. Okay, I want to skip ahead a bit. Go to verse 45. 145. Okay? Uh, Now we're uh, we're talking about a guy named Philip. Okay? Philip found Nathanael, and he said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. So where did Philip find information about Jesus? Raise your hand. Yeah, go. In the Old Testament, okay? Y'all getting the hang of this. In fact, he read some stuff in the law of Moses, some in the early stuff of the Old Testament that we read, also from uh, Isaiah. So let me ask you, and you could just answer out loud, do you think that the law, that the scriptures at the time was important to those people that were there at the time. Was it important? Absolutely, right? Because that's how they learned. That's how they understood what truth was about God. And in those days, those people trusted what their law, what their rules, what their scripture said. They trusted them. Now, today, we have more than just the Old Testament, don't we? We have all the stories about Jesus and all the stories about the early church, and they make up a book that we like to call the Bible. Bible. The B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the word of God. The B-I-B-L-E. The Bible. Anybody else know that song? Y'all are deprived if you have not heard that song when you were like three years old, okay? Super cool. All right. Uh, So here's the deal. Tonight, tonight, it's the morning. Hello. Okay. This morning, we're going to talk about absolute truths about the B-I-B-L-E, about the Bible, okay? Before we get to that, though, I want you to watch this uh, quick little video. It's a nice little synopsis on how uh, the Bible's put together. Check it out. Translated into roughly 2,018 different languages, 
and is the world's best-selling book. Consequently, it is also the world's most shoplifted book. What? Dogs are mentioned 14 times in the Bible. Yes, sir. Lions 55 times, but cats are not. Yes, sir. All right, so that's a little synopsis of the Bible. You know what my favorite part of that obviously is? 14 times dogs are mentioned. How many times cats? Zero, Zero man. Y'all, listen, it, I don't like to like, play my cards out, but I need you to know I do not like cats whatsoever. I'm a dog dude. I forgot to show you yesterday when I showed you my family, but this is my dog. That's Boomer. Everybody say hi, Boomer. Yeah, he's a, uh, he's a English cream golden retriever. Although I don't know why he's called a golden retriever. He doesn't retrieve diddly squat. We uh, like to refer to him as an English cream golden sit on the floor and do nothing dog. All right. Anyway, so that's Boomer. So I love, I love that fact. Now, turn uh, in your Bibles if you want. Um, hold your spot in John, but go over to 2 Timothy. So that's going to be to the right. 3, 2 Timothy 3. 2 Timothy 3. Not 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy. Okay. I'll tell you what, first person that's got it and can point to it, stand up. First person's there. Okay, you got it? All right. Oh, you just sit down. You don't have it. 2 Timothy 3.14. 2 Timothy Okay, you got it? All right, come up here. Run. 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 Corre. Come on. Oh, don't be looking for it right now. Okay. All right. Come on. Come on. Come on. Do you have a nice loud reading voice? Yeah. Okay. Right here. Okay. So real loud, what I want you to do is read for us 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 17. 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 17. From, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ, in Christ Jesus. All scripture is, is God-breathed and is, use, and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servants of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. All right, nice job. What's your name? Xavier. Xavier, good job, Xavier. You can take a seat. Good work. Nice reading. Actually, Xavier, stay up here for a second. Come here. Come here. Let me ask you a question. Uh, did you notice in there? You don't, don't look at my script. Oh. What, you doing the message now? Come on. Okay. Okay, so look. Did you notice in there in verse 17, it said that all scripture is breathed out by God? Did you see that? Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, where have we seen that whole breathed out thing before? Uh, we saw that in uh, Genesis. Oh, when God did what? When God made the by doing what? Breathing. By breathing it out. Very cool. All right, Xavier, good job. Good answer. You're paying attention. Thank goodness that would have been awkward if you weren't. Okay. So, um, so guys and girls, listen. Not only did God breathe out the, and create the world and create everything in it, but he actually breathed into this book. 
Which means that this, that though the Bible was written by lots and lots of different people, every single word that is in the Bible came directly by God, from God, with purpose. Every single word of it. How many words of it? Every single word of it. Now, there's a word for this that I want you to understand, okay? And the word is inspired. Everybody say that with me. One, two, three. Inspired. With a little sass this time. One, two, three. Inspired. That's right, okay. The girls are so much better at that, by the way. Okay, now, here's the deal. Boys, you don't want to be sassy. Trust me. It's it's all good. Now, uh, so this means, okay, this book, the Bible, is God's words to us. The creator of the world (sighs) breathed life into this book. He breathed the words into it. Jeremiah 31 through 2. You don't have to turn to it. It'll be up on the screen. It says that the word... The word came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, write in a book all the words that I have spoken to you. So Jeremiah was the one who wrote things down that went into the Bible, but it was God who spoke to him. 2 Peter 1, 19 through 21. Again, it's up on the screen. You don't need to turn there. But it says, and we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention as to the lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing, first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Okay, So that means that the creator of the universe the creator of all things, the creator of all truth, God inspired all of the words that are in the Bible. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. So our absolute truth, number four for the week, is this. God's character is true, therefore his words are true. If you have your journals, write this out. Our absolute truth number four is that God's character is true, therefore his words are true are true because God created all truth because he is the author of all truth. The words that he put in his Bible are all true. They are inspired by God. They are inspired by God. There is no other option, boys and girls. Now, um, anyone like to fly fish here? A couple of you, okay. Fly fish, uh, type of fishing, don't worry about it. Anyway, uh, so I like to fish in this place called the Upper Kings. I go up there and fly fish as much as I can. Super fun. Uh, one day, one day, this is like three or four years ago. Actually, it was more like five or six years ago. Uh, I was fishing, and I'm in this little uh, pool, and I hook in to this rainbow trout, native rainbow trout, massive thing. Man, this thing is working me all over the place. It does a couple circles around me. It actually starts to work downstream. I have to follow it in my waders, you know, doing the whole thing, like, all the way down. Y'all, I fought this fish for two hours. Two hours. I finally get down to this bottom pool. The thing is tired out. So am I. I'm exhausted. I get this thing in. It was the big, and I've talked to a lot of guys, they think it's the biggest rainbow trout that's ever come out of the Upper Kings. I mean, this thing was huge, absolutely massive, absolutely massive. You know what? That whole story's a lie. (laughs) Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Raise your hand if you've ever lied before. 
Okay, hands down. Raise your hand if you've never lied before. Oh, now that's a lie, and so you're a sinner. Yeah, yeah, so welcome to the club. Okay, good, you guys got it. Now listen, this, this, is, what I told, this is why I told you the story, okay? I'm a pastor, right? You should be able to trust me. I, I'm a good husband. I'm a good father. I'm a good, good father. Okay, you get it. Okay, that's who I am. No, all right, look, here's the thing. Though I am those things, look at me, look at me. I'm not perfect, okay? I'm just a, a man. I, I, I'm not perfect. And for the most part, when I tell a story, and I promise every other story I tell, you can trust, okay? But for the most part, if I tell a story, you know that it can be trusted. But because I'm not perfect, because I'm a man and I mess up, you can't fully 100% trust me. Your parents are going to always mostly tell you the truth, but they're human beings. You can't fully know that every single thing that they're going to say is 100% trusted, okay? Now, not so with God. Not so with God. God is perfect. Listen, God is incapable of lying. In his character, in who God is, he cannot lie. He is incapable of lie. He is all truth, only truth, absolute truth. That is God. He's 100% truth. So that brings us to our absolute truth number two of today, our number five overall, and that's this. The Bible, his words, is the word of God, okay? So the Bible is the word of God. That's really, really important because it teaches us another big word, okay? So far we have inspired. We know that, that the Bible is God-breathed, that comes from God, okay? But this word is a word called inerrant. Everybody say that with me, one, two, three. Inerrant. A little bit louder now. One, two, three. Inerrant. Yes, you got it, okay? So inerrant simply means that the Bible, though it was written by men and put down on paper by men, it uh, was so that's inspired. It means that this book is the perfect word of God. It has no mistakes in it. Let me say that again and listen to this. I need you to understand this. This book is inspired by God and it is inerrant. It is perfect. It is God's perfect words to us. And what this book says goes. It is perfect. Capish? You're getting there. All right. Um, did you know, and it kind of came up in the video a lot, that the Bible is the most historically accurate book ever written? So sometimes you all will be studying history. Now, not in your good Christian schools, okay? But sometimes, like if you were in a, a different school, maybe you would learn history in your books. It, sometimes even in our history books that were in Christian schools, we hear something and we learn about it, and then they have an archaeological discovery, and, and it shows that, oh, what we thought about history wasn't actually correct. Now, there's a lot of people that are out there in the world who are constantly trying to discover things that would prove that the things that are in the history of the Bible aren't true. Um, do we have any history uh, uh, channel buffs here? Anybody like to watch History Channel? Dude, I am, I geek out on Curse of Oak Island and all those. Anybody watch those? Yeah. Well, I was watching one the other day that was super cool. Uh, they had this, by the way, this is just a guy-girl thing. I love History Channel. My wife loves HGTV and Magnolia Network. Ladies, can I get a what-what? All right, good. Okay, good. Okay, so, but I'm a History Channel guy. The other day I was, I was watching this, and there's, you know, a lot of people will, will fight the fact 
that uh, the Israelites ever existed in Egypt. Remember the whole story with Moses and let my people go, okay? And so um, that just like last year, there was a discovery that they found that they d- dug up a thing where they have proof they found in Egypt Jewish writings and a story about a group of people just like the Israelites that were in Egypt as slaves. Super cool. History, archaeology starts to continues to prove that everything in the Bible is true. Nothing has ever been found that has ever made the Bible out to be a lie. This is the most historically accurate book that's ever been written. Um, Look at Proverbs 35. It says, every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. So this is going to bring us to our third and last absolute truth of today. Absolute truth overall number six. Okay. And, 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 And here's the deal. Is if God's character is true. And if all of his words are true and that the Bible is God's word, well, then we can take God at his word. That's our next absolute truth. We can take God at his word. What that means is that the Bible can be trusted 100%. This book can be trusted with anything and everything. It will never let you down. It will never lie to you. It can be 100% trusted. Remember what 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17 said. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. See, God's word, guys and girls, has purpose. There's a reason why he gave it to us. And in a lot of ways, the Bible is like a guide. Anybody ever used a GPS system before? Like on your phone or whatever? Quick story. Uh, This just happened uh, like two weeks ago. Uh, my wife, Tara Jo, and I were going to a fundraiser for an organization called uh, Abundant Life Ministries. They do equestrian therapy. Does anybody know what equestrian therapy is? What do you think? Want to guess? Yeah. What? Go. Well, you raise horses, right? And so they have um, these horses. It's a really cool ministry where people come in, uh, especially like kids and women who have been in uh, abuse situations, where they can come and get therapy by helping to train a horse. It's super cool. Anyway, so we're going to this fundraiser that they're having, and I thought I knew where it was, and so I inputted the address into my phone of where it was going. Now, guess what? We were going around all these mountain roads, going, cruising around, and we get to this place, and it's not there. Actually, the funny thing was there was a big group of people gathered, and so Tara and I got out of our car, and we walked out, and we're like, how come everybody's in suits and tuxedos? And there's a guy at the gate, and we're like, hey, uh, is this the Abundant Life fundraiser? And the dude's like, nah, man, this is my wedding. <laughs> and we're like, oh. He's like, hey, come crash it. It's cool. And so he, he was like inviting us to his wedding. Tara and I were like, man, we should have just gone to the wedding. It was cool. But no, we needed to go to the fundraiser. I'd have been a wedding crasher. Woo. Okay, anyway. <laughs> I'm glad you don't know what that is. Okay, now. So, shh, if you know what it is, shush, okay? Now, so here's the deal. So then I, my wife, now see, now the men in the room understand this and the women in the room understand this. Man, don't give me directions. I'm a man. I know where to go, all right? But I was wrong. I was wrong. I admit I was wrong. And my wife said, baby, why don't you just put the directions, the actual, like, address in this? So we looked it up. We found the actual right address. And sure enough, when we put the right address in, the GPS took us to the Abundant Life Ranch. Now, 
Three cheers for my wife. Let's give her a big round of applause. She's smarter than me. I admit it. All right. Um, look, here's the deal. The Bible's just like that, right? The Bible is our guide that leads us to the right spot. And the problem is, is a lot of times is that we try to use something else in our lives to guide us. And every single time it takes us down the wrong path. The Bible is the right directions. It's the right address. Psalm 119.105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Meaning the Bible is God's perfect word for us. It's the perfect guide for us. But guys and girls, look at me. That means that we have to trust it. That means that you and I need to actually make a statement in our lives to say that because God is true and because his character is true and because God has breathed the perfect words into this, that we have to make the choice, do we trust what's in this book? Do we trust it to guide our lives? Now, a lot of you are shaking your head at me like right now because we're at a church camp and you think that's the right thing to do. But look at me, look at me. This is a choice that you have to make for you. We're going to talk more about this kind of thing all week, but it is your choice whether you believe that this is inspired and inerrant, and you have to make the choice whether you're going to trust its words or not. Your parents can't do that for you. Your teachers can't do that for you. Your principal can't do that for you. I can't do that for you. You have to make the choice whether you trust the Bible as your guide. Let me finish with two things, okay? These aren't absolute truths. These are Pastor Chip's encouragement truths to you, okay? They may or may not be absolute, but just, you know, go with me on this one, okay? The first one is this, okay? As you make this choice, the first one is this, is that you need to build your life on God's word. Write that down somewhere. You have to build your life. If you choose to trust it, then you need to build your life on what God's word says and not what something else says, right? Taryn, Joe, and I got lost because we started with the wrong address. But when we built the directions on the right foundation, then it got us to where we were supposed to go. Um, Matthew 7, 24 to 26 says this. It's a great story that Jesus tells. It's not in John, but I want to bring it up to you. It says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Listen. There's two things that you can build your world on, you can build your life on. Either what God says or what man says or people say. That's it, only two choices. On what God says or what people say. Let's try that again. You can build it on two things, on what God says or on what people say. There's only two choices. And here's the problem. If you build your foundation and what you decide is truth, on what people say, what people say can change. It's ever-changing because someone will say something at one point and it'll change. Remember, we talked about, we talked about Fred last night and how Fred is, uh, is yellow. 
But the problem is, is at the end of the day, if you decide to build your truth on what man says, then someone might come up to you and tell you, dude, this is blue. And you're like, I don't know about that. And they're like, no, listen, you should trust me. I'm a teacher. I'm a professor. I'm a super smart person. I'm, I don't know. They tell you something and they say, no, it's blue. And they keep telling you it's blue. And at some point you go, gosh, I must be wrong. It must be blue. What color is Fred? Yellow. Yellow. See, but that's the problem is man's opinions, man's thoughts, they can change with the wind. And so then you never know if you can trust it because it's all over the place. Whereas God's word, it's like building your hand, your house on a sand. So as things change, it can go away. Whereas God's word as the Bible never changes. It's absolute truth. It's unchanging. It can be trusted because it doesn't change. Boys and girls, this world is going to bombard you as you get older with opinions and thoughts. And I want to encourage you, listen, there's only one thing that you build your life on, one set of truths that you build your life on, and that's God's word, the creator of the earth, the world who breathed into existence the world, breathed it into this book so that we can trust it. Build your life on God's word. And the second and last one is this, that we have to devour this book. And I use that word devour, write that down. We have to devour the word of God, devour it. See, you can't know the right address to go to unless you know the right address to go to. You know what I mean? So uh, the only way that we know God's truth is when we dig into God's truth, when we read God's truth. I don't know if y'all are readers or not, but man, if there's anything in the world that you read, this is the book. This is our guide. This is everything. Uh, Thanksgiving's coming up pretty soon, right? Anybody excited? Thanksgiving to the Henderson household is a national, the national holiday. Like Thanksgiving is better than Christmas. Why? Because we eat like crazy people. My grandma makes this cornbread stuffing that has to be from God. Like, it is the most amazing thing ever. And literally, there are years when I fill an entire plate. Like, there's turkey and mashed potatoes, and then the stuffing just piles on top because it is godly. It is heavenly. It is amazing. And I, look, my wife hates this, but I literally just go like this and go on the stuffing. I devour that stuff. Guys and girls, that's what we have to do with the Word of God. We have to be so hungry for the truth, so excited to understand what God wants us to do to have the best life possible, we're going to talk about that, that we devour his truth, devour his word, just like it's grandma's cornbread stuffing. Matthew 4.4 says, man shall not live by bread, grandma's stuffing, alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. I want to finish with this, okay? This is my little challenge, very last thing, last 30 seconds. I'm going to give you all a little challenge. Um, I've been doing this for years. There are students all over the place that have, have followed this and have gone with it. It's what I like to call the bedside Bible challenge. All right? Bedside Bible challenge. Here's what it is. Raise your hand if you go to sleep at night. Oh, yes. Hallelujah. Okay? So here's the thing that I want you to challenge you to do. Bedside Bible challenge. Okay? You're going to take your Bible, this inspired and errant word of God. And I want you to put it in a place that's right by where you sleep. Here's the reasons why. Bedside Bible challenge. Is at night, 
You brush your teeth. You get your pajamas on. Whatever you do before you go to bed. You go, hey, shh, that's gross. Whatever you do before you go to bed, okay? You take your Bible and you set it next to your bed. Now, maybe you have a nightstand that's kind of like this you can set it on. Maybe you just have the floor. Maybe you have a chest of drawers. I don't know, whatever you have, okay? And I want you to set a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, by the way, I know that there are teachers and, and parents that are here that can help you get a Bible, okay? And I want you to set that Bible right next to where you sleep. And before you go to bed, every single night, let it be the last thing that you do is you open up the Bible and you read something in there. Um, I have tend to find that whatever I think about last before I go to sleep is what I dream about. And ever since I started reading the Bible right before I go to bed, I have good heavenly dreams. Like me and Jesus chilling, fly fishing together. I mean, it's super killer, okay? So read something in Scripture before you go to bed. Now, here's what you do. After you're done reading, you close it, okay? Put a bookmark in wherever you finished reading. Set it next to your bed. You wake up in the morning. You yawn. You pick out the eye boogers. You do whatever you need to do. But before you go and do whatever you do after that, shower, go to the restroom, whatever, grab your Bible again. Let it be the first thing that you read in the day so that it can be your guide, all right? So bedside Bible challenge, let the Bible be right next to your bed. Let it be the last thing that you read at night and the first thing you read in the morning. Anybody willing to try that? Okay, good, good, because this is God's word to us, God's guide to us. It's full of absolute truths that can help guide our life. We need to put the right address in. Bow your heads, let me pray, and let's get on with the day. Daddy, we just, just take a moment before the day gets crazy with science classes and rec and food and everything else that we're going to do just to recognize that I, I, we just want to say thank you that you have given us the Bible um, because we would be lost in this world without it. And yet you gave it to us to guide us. You, you give us the correct address that we can put it in and, 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 and follow what you say. And I thank you that it can be trusted because your word is from you. Your character is true. Therefore, your words are true. So help us to, to let it guide us. Give us, just give us the time to actually get into it and read it. Especially if we're not readers. Uh, that maybe we'd take up the, the bedtime Bible challenge and, uh, and use that to be able to get into your word to learn from you. Thank you again. In Jesus' name we pray. All of Hume Lake set. Amen. Amen.